uh, for a long time. Composition we, composition notebooks full of you stuff. You can let me finish. We, no. Welcome to episode number 53 of the Music Video Land podcast, put on by your very good friends at filmedinsert.com, which is coincidentally the music video database on the interwebs. Perhaps you've heard of these interwebs. Um, if you ask your local Best Buy geek, you'll, he'll, I'm sure he'll point you to the right equipment to get yourself on there. Um, my name is Adam Fairholm, and with me, as per usual, is Mr. Doug Klinger from Boynton Beach, Florida. How are you, Doug? I'm super good, Adam, mainly because you dropped a Geek Squad reference right out of the gate in this episode, which I'm really happy about. Did you Have you ever worked for the Geek Squad? No, but, you know, shout-outs are great. It's important. Get, Maybe they'll give us a in. discount on something. Who knows? Geek Squatters are notorious listeners to this podcast, um, uh, for sure. Um, so yeah. what we got going on? Well, this week we have... Um, I'm, I'm excited about this interview because... I'll tell you why. The music video industry works in mysterious ways. I think we all know that. And, you know, as we've done this podcast, we've learned a little bit about how the industry works. A whole bunch. We've learned a lot. We have learned a lot. And um, you may have heard this term video commissioner being thrown around. It's one of the credits that we accept on the site for music videos. And a lot of music videos have them. So we thought, let's talk to a real live, in-person, in-the-flesh music video uh, commissioner. And we have um, a really fantastic music video commissioner on the podcast, Mr. Saul Levitz. Uh, He is a music video commissioner slash producer at Columbia Records. And um, he is actually in the uh, Houdini by Foster, the people, directed by Daniels video. Um, and it's a really interesting story about how he ended up in there. But he's got a lot of credits to his name. Uh, on a previous podcast, we had Mr. A.G. Rojas, who directed the 16 Saltines video for Jack White. And um, um, that was also commissioned by Saul, along uh, uh, with some great other videos like Passion Pits, Take a Walk, Band of Horses, Knock Knock, and a Raphael Sadiq Radio. So um, it's a really interesting podcast, an interest or interesting interview, an interesting look at how music videos work um, on that level, uh, where a video commissioners coming in and uh, and and acting as. Uh, well, you'll hear what Saul does. It's uh, I'll let him explain it because uh, he is the video commissioner. I am just a host of this podcast, Music Video Land. That is your that is your role during this hour. That's right. I oh. shouldn't try to explain things that the guests are explaining and that we've brought them on to explain. That's bad form. But his interview I, is coming up in the second half of this podcast. Right. I guess that is a little that is a little a, a strange technique that you've you've deployed tonight. Um, describing the things that will be better described later but whatevs we push forward we sail we sail along because music video land in this episode is over water Mm -hmm. it's a bridge over troubled water Uh, (laughs) i don't know why but it it can be i'm I'm on board with that um the nice thing about uh, a bridge over troubled water is you don't have to care 
Right, because you're on the bridge. The bridge isn't troubled. Uh, um, I think that uh, a a cool thing to talk about in in this episode. I don't know if you saw today. Green Day dropped a new video. It premiered today, and uh, two days ago, Taylor Swift premiered a video. And um, as far as I could tell, I thought premiered meant uploaded to the internet. But apparently it means something more than that. Do you think it means something more than that, Adam? Well, I think that's an interesting and far-reaching topic for a podcast, Doug. I'm glad you brought that up because premiere is a very fluid term in the music video industry, and I think it's a good topic to talk about for this podcast. Because like you mentioned, Doug, earlier this week, uh, two music videos premiered, um, and one of them was a big one, Taylor Swift, very big country star. And music video premiered on um, CMT on broadcast on cable TV, CMT Country Music Television, MTV, and Teen Nick um, on August thirtieth, and they you know they even have the time listed at seven forty nine Eastern time, and then it later was on uh, you know those respective uh, uh, website or a few websites like MTV.com, CMT.com, and VH1.com. Yeah, it's uh, funny they do they do the time thing because. Uh... The Green Day video that premiered today or today when we're recording the podcast, which is Tuesday the 4th. Um, September 4th. Tuesday, September 4th. Um, they had a teaser video that they that they put out, which often accompanies a music video premiere. They'll put a teaser video out, video out sometimes in the case of Lana Del Rey. It's a full-length video that's just something else. Um, or, or in the case of Green Day, it was kind of just like a preview of the video. Um but anyway, they have 2 p.m. Eastern was the premiere, um, which I think the time of the premiere meant more uh, when they put them on TV because, you know, the, the time of a music video premiere mattered when it was on TV because that was your only guaranteed shot of seeing it. Otherwise, you kind of had to sit around and wait. And, you know, likely if it was a video that was worthy of a premiere, it was probably going to play again in the next hour. But if you weren't there at 8 o'clock to watch it, you may you might miss it or m- might not get to see it again for a while and miss the conversation at the water cooler. But on the internet, just because the video premieres at seven, if you show up at seven o three, you could just hit play and watch it from the beginning. Yeah, it's interesting that they um, mix because in a lot of the press releases and things, they did make a big deal about the time, and I think that um, that kind of gives it an air of an, of importance. Like, oh, seven forty nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, is the first time you'll ever be able to see this this uh, Taylor Swift video because I think that um, you know obviously in the age of the internet you can just p- throw something up and there's no like oh by the way this went on YouTube at uh, such and such a time on such and such a date and it harkens back to I think a, an era that you I'm I'm sure you remember it was well Doug because we, we were alive for this but the um, the era of the the big music video TV premieres do you, do you remember these. Of course, of course I do. Uh, what the f- most famous one I can remember was Michael Jackson. Uh, uh, he did he did a ton of them, and so there's not a most famous one that I can remember, but a, a most famous several actually. Well, let me see if I can spark your memory. They did uh, premiered black or white. Um, yeah, on like on like N- Fox or NBC or some channel that wasn't uh, MTV. I remember it was like a, a broadcast network. Well, it was November fourteenth, nineteen ninety one. I don't. I actually, I was in Canada at the time, so and I saw it. So I was one of those um, twenty seven countries that it premiered simultaneously, and that's a big premiere. Um, and according to my sources, an estimated audience of five hundred million people 
um, which is definitely the largest ever for a music video. That is the black or white and probably uh, George Wendt's largest production to date, also known as Norman Shares. He was in that video, as well as Macaulay Culkin. Um, was, uh, was, it, was it a broadcast network? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, in Canada, we had uh, uh, CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, and a few other ones. We didn't have, like, NBC or anything like that, but it was definitely a broadcast thing. I don't even think we had cable in 1991, um, but it was, uh, it was definitely uh, uh, a broadcast network. Yeah, that's that's fancy. That 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 mattered a lot more. Even uh, even when it was an MTV premiere, it sometimes mattered a lot more. Uh, I I think when it was on TV because because like I said before, that was your guaranteed chance to see it. There's no, you know, that's one thing you know people remembered about about MTV and uh, you know before the internet in general is waiting around for music videos. So the concept of knowing exactly when it was going to be played was um kind of unique. Uh, so. Like what's what do you think the purpose is? Just so they have something to accompany the press release. What do you think the purpose is of of having these premieres now in the internet age? I think it's definitely something to put on a press release because now um, there's a few ways to do it, right? There's a few. There you don't just have to have broadcast TV. Obviously, the Michael Jacksons of the world in 1991 um, could make a huge deal out of their music video. The Taylor Swifts of the world can make a huge deal out of the music video in 2012 and get it on TV at an exact time. Obviously, they're not doing 27 countries and, you know, they're not getting an audience of 500 million people, but that's also the musical era that we live in. Taylor Swift is a crossover artist, but she's obviously not near anywhere uh, the numbers that Michael Jackson was pulling in at his prime. But now we have a much more diversified premiere outlet system uh, one of those is blogs. So you can uh, premiere on Pitchfork. You can premiere on something like Perez Hilton. Uh, Perez Hilton, uh, you know, uh, does a lot of um, music posts, um, obviously promoted. Uh, but he will also premiere music videos. There's been a few instances of that. You can do. You can premiere on channels that uh, do not ostensibly have anything to do with music videos. Some music videos have e network premieres. Um, some do e online. Some do World, uh, world's World Star Hip Hop is a famous one, mm-hmm. which uh, a lot of rappers use. But although World Star Hip Hop is more more popularized now for like showing crazy videos of like police brutality and weird <laughs> like found footage. Uh, um, but, my my music video premiered somewhere fancy. Where did you just premiere? Like, what music? Please explain to us what music video is that, and where I did, did a music video for Sam Friend, as you did, and um, my music video premiered on Cluster One. So I'm a famous. I'm famous is what that means. That's right. There are so many different venues to be able to premiere your video. Um, MTV has their own uh, uh, MTV.com/slash/music/slash/videos/slash/premieres. Um, where they list all these different premieres. And the idea is that they have the embed before YouTube has it. Because obviously if um, there's a YouTube embed, or, or, or some obviously Vivo also does, does premieres, but um, if there is some sort of uh, proprietary embed that MTV has, which they do, um, they can have the music video, you know, right there for you know six hours be doing takedown notices to youtube for any um people Hmm. and then you know that are you know just screen capturing and then uploading to youtube themselves um and then you know maybe 12 hours later the official embed comes out and then all the um, then all the uh, blogs 
get to get to link to it. But there are ways, you know, to um, you know have a site like MTV Premieres and you know use technology to their advantage to kind of keep their premiere to keep traffic running to that site. Sometimes there are outlets to premiere your video that help you kind of hammer your image. It, it doesn't just kind of benefit to help it get out there more. You know what I mean? To premiere on MTV.com, that's kind of a big deal now. Artists can tout that. But, um, you know, for the, for the case of, like, if you have a music video that you want to make sure people know it's a comedy music video or want to make sure you capture a comedy music video audience, then you might want to consider, if you have an option to do so, premiering that video on a site like Funny or Die, which will often premiere music videos. Um, to make sure you capture that comedic audience and again also make sure that you hammer down that that point that you're making a comedic music video that's very true uh, it's almost in a way like advertising um, you know a certain video will premiere on Perez Hilton a certain video will premiere on E! Online um, it is you know 15 years ago if you wanted to premiere a music video and you wanted to reach a certain audience, then you had very limited opportunities to do so. So there, there, there are a lot of different channels to get your message out. And you know, the nice thing is, if you are an artist that nobody has ever heard of before, and you, or a director that nobody's ever heard of before, and you want to get a music video out there, you can always just throw it up on YouTube, go on Twitter, and then call it a premiere. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. You, you could just let people know my video premiered, and that just means you uploaded it. Or that means you release it. You could have uploaded it a while ago and had it hidden. What's that published thing? Teach us. Teach us about YouTube, Adam. <laughs> what does published and uploaded mean? Well, there's a difference between a published video and an uploaded video. Uh, you can upload something on uh, you know, August 10th and then publish it on August 20th. And uh, there are some differences in API data and things like that and, and, and data that you get to figure out when that video is actually made available to the public. Um, but you can do your own thing like that. You can go and, uh, you know, Vimeo, you can do this as well. You can keep your video private and then let it out into the world when you feel like it's, it's ready to do so. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's important to note that because of that, though, that that the YouTube upload date is not always the premiere date, and oftentimes it's not because, like you mentioned before, you know sometimes it'll be a couple of weeks before YouTube gets the upload, and and they always eventually do. And there's always eventually an official upload on YouTube. It doesn't mm. live on CMT.com or PerezHilton.com forever. That that doesn't seem they're they're missing out on some natural audience that comes from it comes from YouTube. What what do you think of these teaser these teaser videos, these you know to to music videos? What main main purpose do you think they serve? I'm not sure about the teaser videos. Um do you want to talk about lyric videos? Well, I have a feeling teaser videos and lyric videos are probably doing a a, a lot of it, it, a lot of times they could be serving the same purpose, especially if a lyric video precedes a music video. Um because those are just kind of free views. You know, the, the the Green Day teaser video for the music video that they premiered today got a quarter million views last week. So that's from a label perspective, from an artist perspective, from a you know monetization perspective, that's that's obviously a positive. Yeah, I feel like we should save lyrics videos to for another and, and teaser videos for another um podcast. And my reason for this that is this, and we're let's we can preview another podcast conversation here. Is because the lyric video for um, Taylor Swift's video that she just uh, premiered, which I should say the name of, 
so everybody knows it. It's kind of a complicated complicated name. We are never ever getting back together. It's cold. Um, the lyric video for that is not just a simple put your lyrics up on the screen. It is stop motion. It is actually a really well put together video. It can stand on its own for as a music video for a lot of artists and not just you know smaller artists but uh, you know mid-range to substantial artists it could definitely stand on its own and it has 10 million views on youtube so i think that's a definitely an interesting conversation for another podcast um because yeah even the straightforward lyric videos sometimes are pretty interesting to look at some aren't just completely phoned in there's a lot you can do with text and movement and stuff so yeah that that can be a conversation on its own we'll ta- we'll tackle that another time That's because right. right now right now we got we got we got bigger fish to fuck hmm we got we got bigger <laughs> f- <laughs> we've got we've got bigger fish to fry and uh that that fish's name is Saul because we have an interview with a fish that's right, Mr. Saul Levitz, and I mentioned at the top of the podcast, we've been wanting to talk to a video commissioner for a long time, and we were really lucky to get Saul to sit down and talk to us about what he does. He's a video commissioner at Columbia Records, and he's also a producer there, which is extremely interesting, and I think is a, a little bit of an underreported and overlooked, uh, at least in the, the public's view, uh, aspect of the music video industry, because what he's doing, and, uh, you know the impact he has on the videos that get to the public and 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 get to us is is really huge so take a look or take a listen excuse me at our interview with video commissioner for and producer for columbia records mr saul levitz Saul Levitz. I'm uh, one of the music video commissioners over here at Columbia Records, which is part of Sony Music Entertainment. And um, yeah. So, so you, we were just talking about the fact that the job of a music video commissioner is shrouded in mystery a little bit. A lot of people don't even know that that position exists. So I was wondering if you could give an overview of, in the production process of a music video, where you fit in as a music video commissioner. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, in the end of the day, I, I work for the label and I'm always looking out for the best interests of our artists and the label. But truly, my role is is kind of in between what the artist is looking for, what the label's looking for, and, and conversely, what production is looking for. So... Um, and then you can also throw management in there as well, because sometimes th- those don't line up with uh, the artists as well. So I'm really kind of, let's say, the middleman between all these different pieces that if, if I were not here, it would just be utter chaos with the amount of people and communication going back and forth. So I kind of serve to represent, I think, all those parties. And I think the best commissioners do that as well, because, you know, again, in the end of the day, I work for the label. And I'm in the business of furthering the careers of our artists, but um, sometimes that is uh, is not the, that clear, let's say, through the process, or, or, or the best route there is always not what everybody thinks. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Was that a good explanation or what? There was, yeah. 
okay. he's pretty pretty solid. Um, and and now are there specific artists that that you're given to work with that and and are there kind of reasons behind that or is it more like whatever comes up and whoever's not busy? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. There's there's three of us here at the label and we all I think tend to have our strengths and also work together in a great way where you know, we fill in for each other from time to time, but I think I mean, you know, obviously I'm, you know, a fan of a certain type of music and, and you can't always, just like a director can't always make videos for the songs and the artists that they like, you know, I can't always commission um, videos for the artists that I'm always drawn to personally. So you kind of got to go outside of that. But I think there's definitely a part of it where you're drawn to those things. And let's say you raise your hand for those bands you, you care to work with. And I think between the three of us it, it tends to split out quite quite nicely and, and we haven't had to have any like mud wrestling or you know <laughs> arm wrestling or any kind of fights over artists yet so that's the number yeah. one the number one uh conflict resolution mud wrestling just go to that first that that's that's definitely the first <laughs> way down is like you know getting a a therapist involved or some kind of like conflict management, you know, person or something like that. We try, <laughs> we try and go physical to, to, uh, to get through any of our disputes. And, you know, in terms of the, the, the kind of sort of step-by-step process, when an artist wants to make a video um, for a track or even just any track off of a new album, um, are you the first person that that gets that information and then you know starts the ball ball rolling from there? Usually, it's 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 a decision that starts a bit earlier before it gets to us in video. You know, we we kind of have this antiquated uh, notion of the single, and that one song is really going to define an album and it's going to be popular out there and let's say the radio format or online or whatnot. And, and those decisions are made a little bit prior to where we get and also that's kind of tied into how much money we have to spend on that particular song or whatnot it, it's rare it does happen we're, we're a part of that conversation but usually um that's been kind of deliberated upon by people who are better at making those decisions i i, I tend to always kind of like songs that are never singles from a lot of our artists so i wouldn't trust myself to know what other people think in that that manner. Other people are paid the money to make that decision. So, and when that decision is made, uh, is it a matter of you, you know, kind of figuring out what directing talent is going to work for this song? Definitely, it's it's kind of turned over to us. Whereas, you know, we we try and fit people with um, fit fit our songs, fit our artists with the right person for the job, and that could be based on. You know the, the the song itself. It can be based on the budget. It, it, there's a lot of factors that go into that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of handed over to us at that point. And luckily at Columbia, I'm not sure how it is at many other labels, but we have a, a good amount of autonomy to work with our artists to select directors that they're into or work that we see. We spend a lot of time like digging online. You know, going on you know, Vimeo, video static, seeing what's new on the all the blogs, like kind of keeping abreast of not only like what the older, more established talent is, but also um, but also what kind of the new cats that are out there. So 
we kind of take all that information and present it. And, and we do kind of, once we have that song and that budget, we do huddle up with the artists and try and have a conversation up front about what they want to accomplish with it. And then we kind of go out and, and call from the many lists. And then on the other side of that, there's reps that are hitting us up all the time with new work from the directors. And that goes into the, the pile as well. So it's really, it's really just, um, you know, I don't want to say I physically have a list, but I do probably have about 100 stickies on my desktop with lists. Of- <laughs> You're one of the last, the, the, one of the last group of users of the, of the stickies program. I like that. I'm, oh, I'm also a stickies user. I wish I could show you my, my desktop here. <laughs> I give my computer to someone, they like are in complete shock. I try to keep my icons down, but my stickies are out of control. So, <laughs> and, yeah. and you you mentioned uh, you know because a lot of directors aren't out there kind of just floating on their own. They they are represented by you know reps and and production companies and stuff. So you, it seems like you you have a relationship with kind of all parties with the directors and the and the reps and everyone involved. You kind of try to keep all those channels open. I do. I mean, obviously, there's a trust factor and, you know, there's a risk factor involved when you kind of reach out of that pool of production companies that that have their support or reps that are giving their kind of name. But, you know, it would uh, and, you know, I, I wouldn't put somebody that's just, you know, completely new to the game or not really, you know, involved with a production company or, or a rep or at least some kind of connection that I know up for the biggest job but I, I definitely think you could find diamonds in the rough there and I and I like to like reach out to a lot of those people and catch them early and just say I like their work and if there's a smaller video that could serve as kind of like a, a get to know you or just kind of like an icebreaker I, I definitely like to to bring those people in and, and sometimes that leads to them you know latching on with people and sometimes we'll put those newer directors in contact with production companies we like to kind of help facilitate it and help us feel a little bit more at ease with the process you know and the you know the relationship between you know an artist and director for the duration of a music video is you know in terms of you know compared to like a feature is so short you know what what are you looking for in a director maybe not on the artistic side but in terms of um you, you know how they work. Is there a particular set of of qualities that really make a great music video director? You know today. Yeah, I like collaborators. I like people that aren't too stuck in their own world. I think that like you know it is like a truly artistic medium, but it's also very much like a commercial. And you know we're out to sell this song. We're out to sell this album. So I need to know that I'm going to have somebody that you know, it's going to want to collaborate with the artists and it's going to be fairly, you know, quiet when we get through the note process. I try not to overdo things and I try and make sure that there's as much on the table prior to shooting and everyone kind of knows going into what to, going in what to expect, but it's an artistic process and things change and sometimes the final product doesn't end up like the treatment, let's say. So you want to leave room for that, but you know, that kind of goes both ways. So I don't know. I like collaborators and good communicators and people who can kind of um, communicate their vision to to people. Because if you can't really do that, I kind of have doubts about whether you can actually make it happen. That obviously does happen, but I'm, I'm trying to minimize my risk a lot of the time, you know. Now, so. 
Speaking of that, that risk. I mean, once the music video is made and the band has, or you know, the the label and you know has a reaction to it one way or the other, are are you involved in either mitigating, you know, disappointment with that? It happens. Yeah, I mean, it's it's on the smallest videos to the biggest videos, and it's not really about that in terms of budget. It's just you know. Sometimes the smaller things are harder because to navigate because you know you've got newer building bands that are that are ultra aware of their let's I hate using this word but their brand or their aesthetic and you know if that's not going to be in line you can't force them to do that you can't force them to put something out so we really try and you know in the end of the day I, I like to make sure that the artist is happy and proud of the video. And everything else kind of tends to fall in line after that. If they're not, then we have to find a way to, to, to change it and to make them happy with it. So that's where that collaboration comes in. You know, it's like sometimes it's not going to end up. It's, it's, I think it's more, to me, the videos are more of, of the artist videos than the director videos. And I know all the directors are going to think that's probably not the best thing to hear, but people are coming to it for, for the music and that's where I'm coming to it from. So I want to make sure that we're not, you know, just that people aren't losing the plot in that respect. Does that, does that make sense or does that seem completely self involved on that? No, that does. I mean, especially because you are, you know, representing the, or, or, you know, working so closely with artists and the label in that respect. And they're, they're the clients in a way. I so it's, I would suppose. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, in the end of the day, I mean, that's where I'm going to hang my hat is with the artists and, and making sure they're happy in building their career. And, I mean, I come from production. I used to direct myself, so I know how hard that, that side is. And I, I tend to be, and a lot of us at Columbia are very, like, you know, conscious of, of uh, what it takes to go into production from writing a treatment and all the time spent on that all the way through you know, delivering the video and being happy with it and wanting to put it on your reel. So, you know, I want it to be a win-win, but in the end of the day, like, you know, it's it's the artist video that's going to live with them for a long time. It's going to define them and their, their career as well, so. Now you mentioned, you know, you have worked as a director before and you've, you know, you've won and been nominated for MVPAs. Um, and you know you have a, a a track record of being a director for music videos. Is is that something that is is common among uh, video commissioners to be f- former directors, or is that relatively rare? I, I don't know any others that that are. I, I've heard of them going the other way. Hmm. Um, I think that there's something about being on set every day as a commissioner and learning the process that it, it might become somewhat. You know, it, it might seem like an attainable thing to do, like, oh, I can direct. And I think that that in the reverse way, some commissioners have turned to directing and, and have, have gotten good at it. But I don't know a lot that have come the other way. And when I first took the job, I, I was pretty hesitant about it, to be honest with you, because I didn't want to kind of, quote unquote, like leave behind my director career. But it came at a time for me personally that I thought it was a good move. And I also kind of saw the value, you know, as a director, I could say the thing that I was frustrated with was the communication with the artists and not being able to, to kind of just tell them my idea, you know, and like if they would just get it 
and I felt like there was always this wall, and, and maybe now on that wall, I guess. But you know, I, I, the reason why I got into music videos, or anybody gets into music videos, is because they love music, and and I just wanted to kind of be more of a part of that, and 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 work with directors that I I was inspired by, and that I can never do. So I think that's what what drives me from that end. But I don't know; it's a weird thing. But but I love it now. I don't feel like. You know, like oh, I wish I was directing instead of commissioning. I've actually taken taken to it in a way that I never thought I would, and it's because of the relationship that I get to have with the artists that maybe aren't there. I mean, you might write a treatment, shoot the video, edit the whole video, and the only time you've ever talking to the artist is like on the day of the shoot. You know, and then even even if it's an incredible video, like that's just kind of the way. That the business is, and that wasn't fulfilling enough for me. I wanted to kind of feel like I was part of the band or something, if that makes sense, you know. And I think now I get to do that. I get to talk to them about it on a larger level and even bigger than just this one video. But how's this going to relate to that and and moving forward? And I'm a big music fan. I mean, I went to film school. I love films, but I think that、uh, the reason I got into music videos was. Was more just to be a part of music and to become the best music video director, and maybe、uh, you know, and, and, and maybe have that lead to something else. I mean, I didn't go to school to be a music video director. You know, I don't think a lot of people do. I think it's something that they find that they're good at, or maybe they didn't. They didn't make a film, or they don't have that part in them, or maybe they're just not ready to get into commercials or something. But it's something that, like you know, filmmakers fall into rather than kind of set out with the target of being a music video director. You know, I don't want to say it's a fallback, but it's something that's kind of an, a part of their early formative career. You know, and you mentioned leaving. Leaving music video directing behind is that something that you're obligated to do as a video commissioner, or is it just you've you've moved on to a new career and and you won't go back?、Um, you can't. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm obligated to not direct, but it's just I've got you know literally twelve to fifteen things going on at once. And when I direct, I know directors are like this. Like I'm very, I was very micro focused, and there's no way I could sit in an editing room with an editor or. You know, do pre-pro on a video with with my schedule as it is now. I don't feel like I would be doing it justice, and that's why I I just couldn't continue doing it. You know, I kind of had those dreams and fantasies when I first started the job that I would continue that, but it just worked out where I couldn't. And it's just it's more of a time management thing than than kind of like a, a rule of thumb or whatnot. Now I was wondering if.、Uh... If you could, as an example, take us through,、um, you know, an example video of you know what the process was like on the the commissioner level,、um, and the one we were wondering about is the video that you appear in as a cameo, the Foster the People Houdini video,、um, and we know that 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 video was you know shot and、uh, you know finished long before its release, but I was wondering if you could、um, give us some insight on the process of choosing the Daniels. Uh, or Daniels, sorry, not the Daniels for for that video and and why that worked out. Well, I'm I'm a big fan of the Daniels or Daniels, let's say, <laughs> and and part of that is going back to what I said before. Like I like working with directors that I don't think I could do that when I was directing, and they definitely fall under that category, and they fall under kind of this new school, new breed of director. Which you know, when I was going to film school and. 
the late 90s, um, aging myself now, um, there was nobody with those type of skills that could do everything, could do their effects, could, could work with actors, you know, had a sense of pacing and editing and all that. And that's, that, that's kind of indicative of this new, this new breed. And when they, they, they did a video for us for Manchester Orchestra for Simple Math, which was incredible. And we were all just kind of like, that was one of those, those treatments that came in that, you know, Brian, my, my cohort, commissioned that one, but it was, it was one of those like true faith missions where you see a treatment, you know the directors are great, you don't know how they're going to pull it off, but you just go for it because it's, it's a risk worth taking. And, and even on set, you know, I remember him telling me, I have no idea what this is going to be like. You like, they shoot shots that are like four seconds long and then move on. <laughs> so they had everything in their head. And, and it turned out incredible. We were all just, just so thrilled with it. And that kind of started our, our fascination with them. And, and you know, we, we've kind of taken the Daniels under, you know, if we could, we would sign them to an outright contract to Columbia Records to do every music video. And they almost have done every music video for us for the last almost year and a half now. But for Houdini, um, just because that was your question, but, uh, you know, the, Foster the People was kind of a new band that we all knew that was was great and also that there was a lot of support behind it and by that I mean you know we had money for the videos that you don't usually have for new artists and they were really into doing stuff like sometimes with a new band they want to be shrouded in mystery but these guys like really wanted to be involved and were willing to put themselves physically emotionally like uh, Mark Foster the lead singer like is an actor like they all kind of wanted to be involved in it which is great because I kind of like got a sense of like you know the Weezer videos or Beastie Boys videos or those videos where the artist is such a part of the video and is making fun of themselves and is having fun and just feels like you know wants to take you along for this ride so naturally we were like well the Daniels Daniels sorry are perfect, you know collaborator for this type of thing and they wrote they wrote some incredible treatments they wrote an incredible treatment for Helena B we didn't end up doing and they wrote an incredible treatment for Houdini which we did end up doing and I think this was like you said probably shot over a year before before the video was actually released and you know it was one of those things where as soon as we got the treatment and everyone was like wow like this is this is incredible the band is all about kind of dark you know similar to their music they're about fun visuals outlandish visuals but kind of like a dark you know, center to it, kind of like how, let's say, Pumped Up Kicks is, um, lyrically versus the music. And the tone of that video really set, set in them that it was going to, you know, it was really going to exemplify the song. So, you know, I, I was like, you know, kind of uh, prepped on the way Daniels work on set. Um, we did a lot. We were able to kind of do a lot of pre-production with the band, which is also very rare. Uh, we have like a behind-the-scenes video out, which people can see, but that... You know, we went, we did dance rehearsal, and we did, we spent all this time prior that now would be impossible to get with the band because they're so busy and all over the world. But at that time, they were willing to give us a few days, and we were all in Los Angeles, and we got together for, for meals and for pre-production and just went over everything. So it was really one of those kind of like music video film school type environments where the band was learning a lot. They had not really made any videos. 
um, the, on this level before. And Daniels were very, very excited about kind of just us, uh, the, the trust factor that they had earned from the label on Manchester and us giving them that space to kind of create their vision. And uh, yeah, I mean, past that, I mean, all the pieces kind of came together for that. Um, I could speak specifically into how I ended up in the video, which was not originally intended, but I don't know, is there any, anything else on, on the on the process that you guys want some clarification on or? No, I think was, we, oh, sorry, yeah. go ahead, Doug. Well, I was just gonna say that that's really good, but yeah, we, de- we definitely wanna hear how you ended up being in it also. <laughs> okay, so it was kind of funny. The, the band has two managers, um, Brent and Brett, and uh, originally, we show up on the first day of shooting. We're sh- we're really kind of shooting linear linearly. Lin- is that the right word? Linearly lit. I think that's close. I think mean, yeah. I don't know it either. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, "Hey, is is Brett here? He said he was going to be in the video." And just to back up a little bit, Daniels are kind of obsessed with like meta casting. They want everything to be very like real. There to be some inside joke. Um, <laughs> involved like if you could bring your family down and they put them in the video or like your long lost cousin or somebody who you know um waited the table for you that morning they want to have all those those connections kind of involved to heighten the experience for everybody and you know they had this role in there which was the band manager and uh one of the real managers they had wanted to play and we get to set and they're like okay we got to do this shot is uh, is Brett here? And I'm like, no, he's not here. Let me call him. He's like, because we got to get started shooting. So I get Brett a call. And I'm like, hey, the guy said you're supposed to be in this in the video, and that they're about to shoot. Are you almost here? And he's like, I never said that. I never <laughs> in the video. I told him I didn't want to be in the video. And I'm like, okay. So I called the other manager. I was like, do you want to do it? but you got to get here soon because they want to shoot. And he's like, no way. He was just more like stone face. Like I don't show up in videos. <laughs> okay. So I go back to Dan. I'm like, look, they said there was a miscommunication here. They're not going to do it. And literally they kind of scan everyone that's standing around and they come back to me and they're like, do you want to do it? And I'm like, nah, I got to kind of do my thing as the commissioner on set. And they're like, look, it's one thing. Like, you just got to go, we'll put you in this sweater, and you just have to do this look. And I was kind of like, okay, assuming, honestly, that it was one shot, that I was going to go in, do a reaction or whatever, and that was going to be the end of it. It turned out we did it. Everybody, including the band, like, was so like, oh, wow. And I, I guess I got, got caught up in, uh, in all that. And then they were like, okay, by the way, like, you know, this is a role that, you know, it was a two-day shoot that, that we're going to have to go back to. So I was like, okay. And originally I would have been like, no, thinking it was just one shot. But I think everybody kind of tricked me into it. <laughs> like, you're co-starring with the band in this video. And <laughs> up the whole thing that it's all about it and getting meta on it and 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 digging into my character and and I loved it because I think uh, the video I mean it's hard for me to kind of separate like this is one of the best videos I've ever worked on and I showed it to them and they're like of course it is you're in it but even if I was <laughs> I tr- that it is a great video and it just rides that that line so well and it was such a shame for us to have to sit on it for so long because I thought it would have been so impactful early on in the campaign for that band. But 
Uh, and it was almost to the point where Daniels would like email me every other week, like, like, please don't tell us this video is getting canned. And I was like, are you kidding? This is like the greatest thing ever. Of course we're putting it out. And they stopped emailing me after like six months. And I think it was eventually like 10 months after we finished that we actually released it. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I am glad that they chose me for the role and uh, that the, the managers were not, were not down to be in it. And, you know, there's also a ton of other cameos in there. Candice, who's the executive producer at their, at their production company, is in it. Gaetano, who was the producer for them at the time, he was in it as the producer. Um, they actually had two other directors, Dory Oskowitz and uh, Hiro Murai, played themselves. Larkin, the DP, is in it. So there is a lot of that stuff going on. Like I said, the D Daniels love that kind of meta-casting stuff but i still it's funny like you know we have videos playing in the lobby of our of our office here at sony music and that is one of the videos playing and i hate like walking through the lobby and seeing like myself cry <laughs> but it comes to work it's just hate you know? why is this video up here i have to look at this guy every day so um yeah i think they put like a um a rule forth after that video that commissioners can no longer be in the videos anymore which i thought was pretty funny so well you had yeah you had a a um it was an emotional role it was it was more than just a look you had it, it was definitely a, a an integral part of the video i don't know if the managers could have pulled it off they probably lucked out to have you in there i don't think i don't think they could either um <laughs> i think it's you know I, I, the, the great about that video is that you know the label will go to any stretch possible to keep to keep the show alive and the band just loved that aspect of it even though it was so dark and maybe set it up in a in a tongue-in-cheek way to be such like kind of a of a of a of a cut 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 out kind of I don't know what's like a boy band type of thing. So I think they they were a, a very they were not as, as self-conscious, let's say, as some bands were, and, and I thank them for that because I think it was a fun video as a result. So, now I also wanted to ask you about um, uh, discovering new directors because I know that that is part of you know your job. You mentioned going on different sites looking for new material. Um, and I was wondering if there was a director or two in particular that, you know, lately that you have kind of brought into the music video industry that you're particularly, um, you know, interested in and interested in their work. Um, I think that I, I don't want to take credit for anyone, like bringing anyone in. I mean, a lot of the times, it, you know, it's something that might be a slow burn. Like I remember meeting with A.G. Rojas like a year or two years ago after he had done, um, God, I forget the video, but a video a while ago, and one of the reps brought him by, I was like, this guy's new, he's great, and I just wanted to meet him. I really am a fan of like meeting people and getting to know them and knowing that, that we have a good communication going on. And, and, you know, he had written a few fantastic treatments for me and never really didn't get any of them. And then finally, he wrote an incredible treatment for Jack White for 16 Saltines that that we did and that turned out fantastic. It actually was just nominated for a VMA as well. And I think that's one of those situations where, you know, I, he had written a treatment that was great and I had really, because of 
the kind of following his path from meeting with him early on and then seeing the other videos he was doing and, and feeling really comfortable with his growth and that he could deliver on on what was a pretty like you know a, a pretty big opportunity to work with Jack who has such like kind of a, a canon of music videos and, and and also like to deal with the pressure of doing that I felt so comfortable with them because I had known him I'd kept up with them he'd written other treatments none of which we did but it had all kind of led to that point and doing that video and I liked that I liked kind of um, following that path so I you know it's Getting to know a director early on and, and maybe if we're not doing a video at that moment, it's always like, you know, like, you know, sowing seeds or whatnot, you know, and, and something that might pay off in the future. I remember going back to when I was directing, I would love to go in and meet with people because I thought that would expand, you know, on, on them knowing who I was and feeling, you know, trusting me a bit more after, you know, talking to me face to face. So that was a great kind of like... Uh, you know, front to back experience with them. I mean, I have a lot of directors that, you know, I try and get in the mix. You know, I try, I, I let write on stuff all the time. Um, sometimes if they don't have the reels or they don't have the videos to kind of, to kind of uh, support their treatments, it's a little bit hard to convince people that they can pull it off. Even if I have supreme faith in them, it's like I gotta, I gotta have the artist having supreme faith. I gotta have a manager having supreme faith. I gotta have the label. So. You know, there's a lot of convincing to be done. Even though they, they trust us and they know that we, we do this every day, it's still people kind of want to feel that uh, that safety net of somebody who's gone through the war before and made a video or whatnot, so, or multiple times. So, um, yeah, I mean, do I have a lot? I mean, I have a lot of directors that I, I work with multiple times. You know, Dory Oskowitz, Hiro Mirai, Daniels. Um, you know, all those guys are, are guys that I know will always deliver. So I, I, I tend to work. I mean, it's kind of a funny story going back when I coming from the directing side, and when I first came to the label, I I noticed that my cohort Brian, who brought me in, was 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 working with a lot of the same people over and over again and I was so confused by that because I was like wow we're not giving anybody like opportunities you know I kind of looked at it from my director perspective which was if I'm not in how do I get in how do I get past that kind of like uh, that little crew that they have that they always work with and I was like I'm going to change this I'm going to do it I'm going to do it my way I'm going to work with new people all the time and that was good and I, I still do that, and I probably got burned a few times doing that as well on, on videos that maybe didn't turn out as good as I had hoped. And I came to realize that, you know, you want to have that that kind of connection to them. You want to know that they can deliver. You want to know that they're at a company that will support the project through from the beginning through the end. And so I've kind of come a little bit more balanced on that because you can't just purely be a gunslinger and get new people for videos all the time. And it's just, you know, it's a process. And I think, you know, directors have to realize everything they do, even a treatment that they write for us, if they don't get it, is a big thing. You know, we read them, we look at them. You might have a great idea that we love that, that just the artist isn't feeling for whatever reason and sometimes against their own own best interest but we know that the director is talented and we see their ideas and so that stuff is like you know it goes it goes a far way for us and and prior to a, a director being established and you know you you mentioned kind of 
you know, seeing them early on. Like, how, how, how can you, how are you able to keep up with a director before they kind of make that break? Because it's not like a band where you can kind of follow their live shows in small bars until they make it big. I mean, are there ways, do you just kind of hang on to treatments that uh, that you liked, even though it was someone who wasn't established yet? Or, or are there other means you're able to keep up with these guys? Stickies. Yeah, I've got lists <laughs> and I've got stuff like that. I mean, I got to say, if, I, if there's any directors out there that are listening to this, put your contact info somewhere. Put it on your Twitter page. Put it on your Facebook somewhere. Because sometimes I can't even find out how to connect to directors that have stuff out. Like they have a Vimeo page. There's no information there. You know, sometimes I have to send like a direct message. Like I'll go and I'll, I'll dig deep. I'll try and find people, but make it easy for people to find you because there are people that, you know, are digging like this all the time. And maybe it's just to say, Hey, this is a great video. Like, let us know, like, please send me any new work you have. You know, it could be as simple as that. Or, um, here, do you want to take a stab at writing this treatment? So I, I keep a good, kind of a list of things that I like. And, you know, I, it's not separated that much into, like, genre or whatnot, but I always go through it. Every time I go through the same stuff, when I have a new song and um, I have an opportunity to bring in newer talent, either with, you know, newer bands or with, with uh, lower budgets or whatnot, I always kind of comb through that and see what might, what might work. Because, you know, it's just uh, you might find the diamond in the rough. So, And... Uh, before we let you go, I have one question that's sort of outside the realm of music videos, but I ran across this on your bio and just had to ask this to get more information because you mentioned that you were part of the uh, early 2000s startup video.com, and which I think or started maybe even earlier than that, but was done around you know early 2000, 2002. Um, and I actually have heard of this. Uh, for, I can't remember how, but when I read it in your bio, the name... Uh, sparked my imagination but uh, I was just wondering do you think that it, I mean YouTube kind of came in at the right time for for technology I mean what what was the the reason that you guys kind of called it quits I I think the thing the biggest thing was just uh, different people moving in like a different different directions like not enough of uh, of moving down the stream in the same direction. It's it's part of the reason why I also kind of stopped directing with my directing partner, David Shafi. And I I just think I think it got to a point where things like a YouTube were doing it way better than we we ever could. And we wanted to be a closed community. We wanted to be something that had a filter. We didn't um, understand the concept of just letting anybody post something up. We wanted to kind of curate it, let's say, to our tastes and to our viewers' tastes. And I think we just got swallowed. I think things are coming back in that direction a lot. But at that time, that was not that was not the way of the future. You know, the way of that 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 time and how a Vimeo or um, or a YouTube or even the networks that were coming out you know, at that time, like they had money behind them and we didn't, but you know, it was more of an all inclusive type of atmosphere. And I, I think it was just, you know, the natural kind of things like kind of falling apart. I mean, sometimes I kind of think back, I actually am more regretful of that falling apart than my directing career falling apart. I'll tell you that much, but. Well, it must've uh, been really difficult to operate a, like a, 
a kind of a startup in that time when video on the internet was very difficult. I mean, not everybody had broadband. Not I mean, the 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 whole infrastructure was a lot different than it is now. It was horrible. It was like dial-up access and <laughs> making like eight different streams of videos for, you know, whatever user could come on. Like you would have to have like what? Like four links to like, do you have DSL 33 or... <laughs> Saul's got a job that I feel like I would love to have. Seems like he gets to do really cool things. He's a, he's a, he makes decisions on really cool things. So that's it. I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd trust myself with that. It's tough. You know, oh, I would uh, be horrible at the job, but it's, <laughs> it would be great. It would be great. You ever seen that picture of, um, of a uh, Spider-Man at a desk and it says, I have no idea what what I'm doing or something like that or I saw one day where where a dog was playing mini golf and I, was like, yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing yeah I have no idea what I'm doing that would be me at at his job but it would be so fun it would be like the most fun four days and and ten million dollars I've ever lost because <laughs> uh, because it it would be a blast be McNasty um, did you just say Blasty McNasty I did you know why because you know what else is Blasty McNasty picks of the week <laughs> my microphone just fell down that's right picks of the week or blasties uh and uh i'm 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 I know yours you've got a gem so why don't you go first okay go ahead and and, and I know that you picked before the podcast started because you want to go first no wait i I said you go first but i but wait I, you said me go first oh man I can okay I'll go first go. Okay, um, this is one that just came out today, September 4th, and it came out in the morning, and I really enjoyed it. It is for a band called, that I've never heard of in my life before, called Necroglobicon, called No One Survives. And um, this is interesting because, you know, um, I have friends that are really into really hard metal. I'm, you know, I'm not, don't know anything about that genre, so I don't know whether to call it hard, you know, heavy metal or thrash metal or I, I just or death metal I don't know I just know these buzzwords and things like that I just don't know anything about the genre um, but I know it is a very hard fast song and um, I get a lot of notifications in my inbox for posts about music videos from websites like the Metal Underground and a few other ones that are you know there's, there's big fan communities about, around these uh, metal bands and um, you know I always look at the videos and and you know, they're always, they seem to be along a similar vein a lot. Of course, we put them up on the site, um, they're, they're music videos, and we definitely uh, want to represent the metal genre and that, but this one definitely caught my eye. It is a um, story about a goblin that uh, is, you know, it's kind of a classic story about this guy who's at work and he likes a girl and kind of feels overlooked and... Uh, you know, kind of an unrequited love thing, but the, the person in this uh, video in question is a goblin, and actually some pretty convincing goblin makeup. Um, and another thing that makes this video pretty awesome are the people who are in it. Uh, the woman who plays the love interest is none other than Miss Caden Cross, and uh, you may know her from porn. Uh, she's a porn actress uh, of 
some repute. And also we have Mr. John Lajoie, who is uh, famous for uh, his... Uh, um, what is the song he does? Uh, he does a lot, a lot, Everyday Normal Guy. Everyday and, Normal, and that's the one I was thinking of. We saw him in Miami, he was great. Um, he does a cameo as a bartender. He knows the director, apparently, uh, Brandon Dermer. But it's just a really kind of funny, well done video, and you know I think it's a it's marks a a good point for metal videos. I'm really glad to see a metal video uh, or metal band and a director coming up with a really fun, interesting video for a metal song, and uh, you know putting some really interesting cameos in there, um, making it humorous, uh, making it interesting to watch. And I think that's great. So I really enjoy the video. That's uh, Necro Globicon. Um, and the song is called No One Survives. Uh, you know Brian Posehn is? I do know who Brian Posehn is. He's got a metal band. Um, he's got a song called Metal by Numbers. And it's just like all about how metal is kind of by, like paint by numbers. And I, I know very little about metal. My The extent of my metal history is probably like Tenacious D. But... Um, uh, the Brian Posehn song, really fun. So, I just was gonna, I just said that it's got a music video, so you should watch it. Uh, it's we'll not my pick of the week. In the, sh- not my- in the show notes. Yeah, we allow shoutouts, right? That's what that was all about. Mm-hmm. But it was, it's not my pick of the week. Um, my pick of the week is something different. So, um, I didn't take your pick it. of the week, did I? No, you did it. I, I'm gonna get into it. No, definitely, you didn't pick my pick of the week. Um, However, my pick of the week is something that if you listen to this podcast, you've almost have to have seen. Um, my pick of the week is by a man in two chains, and the song is "Birthday Song." Mm, man, we got all oh, these picks of the week are so good this week. Some good picks of the week. Um, it features a guy named Kanye West. This song does, and the video. Uh, it's directed by uh, Andres Nilsson, uh, and who was a director of a pick of the week by Hiro Mirai in a previous episode, one of the rare uh, guest picks of the week that we featured on this show um, back when he directed a Mike Snow music video. And um, this birthday song music video by 2 Chains. 2 Chains is a, um, I guess I would call it like a pop style rapper, you know, very popular style, radio friendly, not in content, but in kind of just how it how it sounds it's friendly for the radio you know big heavy beats and that kind of thing anyway um the video however is is not your standard hip-hop video at all it's got elements of your standard hip-hop video but um also very subtle elements of beauty and hilariousness and uh, absurdity um uh, and, and old men, there's a lot of old men, and if, if you pay attention, there's a lot of old men. Some in birthday hats, some dancing. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to try to capture this video in, in, an, in an explanation any more than I already have. I'm not going to kind of give you a blow by blow because it's too good to just. There's a see lot how, going on there. Yeah, and and just to see how it's executed is what it's all about. Because if I just described it, it would be like, oh, that's weird, but. I don't get it, but you have to just see how it kind of all fits together and the kind of strange landscape that's created in this video because it's uh it's definitely um like a very like a surreal unusual world especially for a rap video and I really kind of uh thank them for for putting it out and so that's why it's my pick of the week. 
uh, Two Chains featuring Kanye West, birthday song. No, I think that you hit a nail on the head there where it creates a surreal world and it creates a world unto itself. I think that's something that uh, hip-hop video is just, it's an opportunity that they miss so much. And um, I really think if you're going to watch this video, watch it all the way to the end. Some of the best stuff is in the last scene. It really all kind of, it's a hodgepodge. They had yeah. that point. Everything you saw up until that point. Uh like that's a sure like that that phrase you just used. Watch it to the end. That's like a surefire thing of like a video not being good that you have to tell someone to do that. But like maybe you think like this video will lose steam after seeing it at the beginning or something. It's like all right, I get it. It's this weird world. There's weird things. No, no, no. Push push on if you start to lose interest, which I think would be strange if you did. You're a strange guy, man, who's lost interest in this video. Five and minutes and you can't. What's wrong with you, guy? And the, the casting is just especially good for this. Uh, they just they just know where to put people, and it's not just the girls. It's like the Pakistani guy with the forty dancing. It's uh, the clown. They just they just who you know the, the casting for this was yeah, just a fam- spot on. the family sitting at the table. It, it's it's a juxtaposition of you know elements that you're used to in hip hop videos too, like you know objectification of women, but like cranked up to a really self aware kind of over the top level, and then placed you know in in these really strange scenarios. Like there's like a family sitting around the table with like children and grandparents and stuff, and they're sitting around a cake that's made out of a live naked woman. I mean, it's just hilarious stuff. So check out check out of it. Check it out. <laughs> Um, there we go. I think I think that's a, this is a fantastic episode, number one A plus episode. Uh, would listen again, and I thank you for listening. <laughs> My name is Adam Fairholm. With me as court mandated Douglas Klinger by contract. Um, you can find us on uh, Twitter at Filmed Insert, and you can also I I highly recommend following this new account that we have. Um, it's just at New Music Video. It's on uh, Twitter and on Facebook and. When a new music video is added to the site within three days of the day, so let's say it's September 4th, um, any music video that we add that premiered from the 4th to the 1st uh, gets tweeted there and with a link so you can kind of stay up to date on what music videos are new. And it gets tweeted and it gets also posted to Facebook. So check that out. Uh, uh, definitely follow that account as well as the main one. I will retweet some ones and mention videos when we when we really like something. But to get the whole feed, you get that. Um, you get the whole piece of the pie. Yeah, the whole piece. The whole um, pie, even. <laughs> the whole pie, yeah. Oh, man. We'll see you next time. The disdain in your voice.